It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko, along with your host, James Rapine. Today, we're joined by Cincy Jungle's John Sheeran. John, we're looking for a bit of a different perspective as we're just going to try to take a look ahead and get a feel for a consensus expectation for the Bengals offseason. Obviously, Jeff Hobson thinks one thing and Paul Daner thinks another thing. And James and I are, are somewhere else. And, and then... We've got you, who I think your opinion is is consistent. I would say that your your takes on t- on the team and and what you expect the team to do, I think, are consistent over time. Every time for me, it's something that's oh, this is uh, something that seems new. I feel like it's always you in my mentions that says no, we've known this for a while, and then you point to the evidence that that's been out there, right? And most recently is the Rashawn Slater thing. I just, I just, I just appreciate your, your empirically grounded historical opinion. So let's start with Bengals free agents, Carl Lawson, William Jackson, the two most notable. I think at this point, everyone that, that seems to know anything about the offseason plans for this team thinks Mackenzie Alexander's is, is not in the team's plans to bring him back. William Jackson, a little bit more. Uh, divisive, but but certainly leaning toward him not coming back. And Carl Lawson, I think the team would like to bring him back. But what's your feeling on, on let's start with those two key players on defense and whether or not they'll return in 2021? I think right now, William Jackson's is a clear 50-50. There seems to be, I don't want to say disconnect, but um, according to some rumors that I've heard, there seems to be where the Lou Anarumo defensive coordinator May, may not be too high on William Jackson right now, and but that doesn't mean that he is for sure not going to come back. I think just looking back at what they did with Trey Waynes, the fact that they gave him a contract that nobody expected and everyone, or at least most people, rightfully just questioned at the time, they gave him a contract that signified that he was going to be a true number one quarterback or at least a high-end starter. And you're like, well, William Jackson is entering the last year of his, his deal. What what are they going to do with that? I, I probably should have told us at the time what their thoughts were on William Jackson. So it, it truly does seem like it, it's a 50-50 at this point because they still need a body there and a competent one because they have literally nothing else aside from him. Whereas with Carl Lawson, I think just with how he's progressed and the fact that he became a starter, I think there's we should have a higher confidence that they're going to prioritize bringing him back more. But even when the offseason began, it, it just seemed like it would kind of make sense from their perspective to let Lawson go because they could probably get a higher compensatory pick from him. And obviously, cornerback is just as valuable, if not more valuable, than that rusher. But it's the same situation. If you let Lawson go, your best edge rusher is Sam Hubbard. And despite you know our feelings on Hubbard, you just can't have him as your, your best pass rusher. It's just, just not going to work. So I think they're both, they should be, in terms of 
what they have like behind them, they should be prioritized to be brought back. But if I were to guess right now, Lawson's probably the more likely one to come back over the, over the other than Jackson. Would you do that? Would you bring Lawson back, both back? Would you franchise tag one if, if you were the Bengals GM? Which which route would you go? See, like Lawson is quietly like two and a half years younger than Jackson. Like he's going to be twenty nine in October, and I think that's something that a lot of people like realize. He was really old coming into the league, and then he missed his entire rookie season, so he didn't play until he was 24, 25. That's why he was so good coming out of the gate, because he was much older than other first-year players. But if you sign Jackson to like a three-, four-year deal, you're immediately going to get him into his 30s, and you're thinking, well, how much longer are we going to get a high-end play out of this guy? And obviously, he's still a good player, and I think even in the next couple of years, he's going to still be good. But I think just in terms of that, you're getting lost in, on a new deal. He's going to be 26, 27, 28 over the next three years. That's the real life of the new deal and i think that's probably smarter and he's just i guess a more consistent player for what he does other than jackson so they need to have a plan to replace jackson if, if they let him go just like if they let lawson go as well but i think it, it would probably be smarter to invest in lawson over jackson by the big one i think that i certainly agree with you there it's, it's good to get some some confirmation i'm on the same page with you my, my personal preference for the plan here is you franchise Jackson, you get one more year there, you buy yourself a little bit of time if you can make it work financially. And let's talk about how to make it work financially, because there really is a question as to whether or not you want to go into next year with either a first or second round corner, which means you're spending your first round pick on a corner because you need somebody to start on the other side with, with Trey Waynes, or if you want to roll the dice with Darius Phillips actually staying healthy for a full year. So if, if they need money, to, to make this work, there's some very obvious cap candidate or cap cut candidates on this team. Geno Atkins, I think everyone expects, will not return to this team in 2021. That will save them about $10 million, a little bit less against the cap. And then there's guys like Bobby Hart, Giovanni Bernard. And I know I'm forgetting somebody very obvious that's another uh, cap casualty candidate. I remember we talked about this a few weeks ago and I wasn't certain that they were ready to move on from a guy like Hart. What's your feeling about some of these cap cuts that the Bengals might make and how that might play into their free agency plans? Is CJ Uzoma the guy you're forgetting? I mean, I have thought about CJ for sure, but I just, I don't buy that they're interested in cutting him. I mean, me neither. I don't think Uzoma's going anywhere. I don't think Bernard's going anywhere. I think the the three that you can just put in Sharpie is Gino, Bobby Hart, BJ Finney, who I guess, I mean, it's a team option. It's not like he's an actual cap cut. So that saves about 18 to 20 million, which, at, you know, puts him in very good spots right there. But I, I think we have to just operate under the assumption that guys like Bernard and Uzoma, while they make a lot of sense with the positions that they play, and the situation of their careers at this point, it makes a lot of sense to move on from them. But I think there's too much writing on the wall of how much they value them in the locker room. And, and they're still, you know, quality players and quality contributors. So I think we have to operate under the assumption that those guys are going to be staying. And, and the space they're going to open up is in that 18 to 20 million range with the three that we that we mentioned earlier. But I think you're right. Like, also, not only franchising Jackson, but the transition tag, I think, makes a lot of sense, too. Because it just seems like... Like they're going to be in the process of trying to bring him back, but it just may not be as aggressive as they will be for Lawson. So transition tag, obviously, it will allow other teams to come in and make competitive offers. And I think the Bengals will just be in a sense where they will have a price 
for Jackson with the space that they have. And if a team just outbids them, that's just kind of how that relationship ends. As far as, as Jackson and Lawson go, obviously we'll we'll go back and forth about those guys. Um, do, do you think, well, it, it sounds like you think Lawson could potentially be coming back. Do you think that he's going to make it to free agency? You think this is something they try to get done before free agency starts? Because that's the, the scary part. I've had um, people from other teams that have been like, oh, is you think Lawson's going to hit free agency? Well, what about William Jackson the third? You know, people that cover other teams. So I, if they're eyeing those guys, you got to think that a, a lot of the league is as well. That that's a great point because it like both of these guys have fair questions attached to them in terms of how much in demand are they going to be from other teams. Like with Jackson, it's the inconsistent play and the age, and with Lawson, it's the fact that this was his first year as a starter. He's never really been a a true full time player up until like the last ten years of the season. So. There are fair questions with both of them, but I think I, I think teams are going to value loss a little bit more just because, in general, on average, like the top pass rushers, they still make more money than the, than the top cornerbacks. And cornerback in that market is is reaching you know the edge rushers pretty rapidly over recent years. But I think the NFL is still stuck in their ways, whereas the edge rushers are king, and cornerbacks are almost second fiddle to them at, at the top of the market. So, and I'm not saying that Lawson's going to get close to that in like that 20 million range, but I do think with his overall profile compared to Jackson, I think he'll be in slightly more demand. And I think that's why the Bengals are going to try everything that they can to get him under contract before free agency begins. Because once that happens, then, then you're right. You have everyone else uh, available to to bid for him and, and, and bring him in. And the price is only going to go up after that. It definitely doesn't help the Bengals case that both of those positions in free agency this year are expected to be relatively thin. We'll have to see if there are cap cuts around the NFL with the reported salary cap coming in a little bit below what people expected. The initial estimates are are not going to be at that 185, 195 number, but instead will be a bit lower. So there might be some cap cuts from other teams to put guys on the market or trades from other teams to put guys on the market that we weren't expecting. We'll talk about that external focus and where we're looking for the Bengals to prioritize their spending in free agency coming up next. Super Bowl 55 is this Sunday, and let's be honest, you need to get in on the action. We talk about it all the time here on Locked On Bengals. There's one place that has you covered, one place we trust. It's betonline.ag. Place your bets today. Sign up for a free account at betonline.ag. Use the promo code Locked On. You're going to get a 50% welcome bonus. So whether you want to bet on Tom Brady being the Super Bowl MVP, maybe Patrick Mahomes repeating or all of the crazy prop bets that are out there, and there are a ton of prop bets out there, you can do it all at betonline.ag. Get off the sidelines, get in on the action, and don't forget to use promo code LOCKEDON at betonline.ag to receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design. The kind of experience you can only find in a Lexus SUV. A feeling this empowering is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the versatility of the complete line of Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Let's keep things rolling with John Sheeran from Cincy Jungle. And 
John, we, we talked about the Bengals and Carl Lawson and William Jackson. Let's shift gears here. I know Jake and I want them to go after a bunch of tackles and free agency and bring in this this wall of offensive linemen and veterans. And we're not alone. Obviously, the uh, the Bengals fan base wants that as well. Where do you stand on outside free agents in the Bengals activity in that market this this offseason? I think just going off of what we're reading, it, it does sound like it may not be huge, but there is going to be an investment on offense line, and rightfully so. It, it just seems like like this is classic then. They, they do things typically late and only because of something desperate that happens. Like last year, it was, oh, yeah, the defense stinks. So let's just you know purge some of these guys to bring in some talent there. Oh, yeah, the offensive line got Joe Burrow almost hurt for his entire career. Let's just go ahead and, and fix that right now. How they fix it, I'm not exactly sure yet, but... I, there, I think there is going to be at least one or two starters that are signed on, along the offensive line. What Paul Dinner Jr. is saying is that it's going to be on the right side, which makes sense because the guards that they have are better suited for left guard, and then they, and they have Jonah Williams, left tackle that they feel comfortable at, and they at least have Trey Hopkins coming back and Billy Price competing for that. So left tackle through center, fine. Find a right guard, find a right tackle before the draft, so it kind of opens things up. You know, I, it, It's not a popular opinion, but I, just, I, I keep coming back to this because... Like obviously they they value tackle more like that that's mm-hmm. not, not news or anything but I, I still don't think that that means that they're gonna sign a top tier tackle if that means they're gonna pay top tier money whereas like last year you know before they signed DJ, DJ Reader they never really valued nose tackle like they brought back Domata Pecco like ten years ago on a pretty decently deal I guess it was like four years twenty something million but other than that like we we never talked about the Bengals valuing nose tackle. Like, I think the same logic can apply to guard because guards Ooh. just typically are not as, as expensive as tackles. And if you're talking about a contract of, for Joe Tooney compared to a contract for Taylor Moden, I think with Tooney, you don't have to offer as much money up front and obviously not as much money per year. It just it seems like if they're going to invest in a top, top guy, it seems like guard just financially makes more sense and is more predictable than the tackle. Whereas, obviously, tackle is a higher value and it's more important position on the offensive line. But... It just seems like from like, like like last year, they signed DJ Reader and Trey Waynes. Trey Waynes obviously plays the more valuable position, but not, wasn't as expensive of a contract from a total value and, and a total guaranteed money. It almost seems like that exact same situation is going to happen this year with guard and tackle, where they sign like a Joe Tooney, a guard for a certain amount of guaranteed money, and then they sign like a, a tackle for also a starting contract, but that tackle might not be as good as Tooney, maybe like a Cam Robinson or Daryl Williams type situation. So if if I were to expect something like as the best case scenario, that would probably be where my expectation expectations are, just based on what they did last year when they when they splurged in free agency. I don't think they're going to go and completely deviate from all their ways and go after a top tier tackle like that. Yeah, I mean they're looking at what about sixty million dollars in cap space, maybe a little bit less given their adjusted cap, which I figured is about one hundred ninety million dollars. If they make some, they make some cuts, they'll lower their active two thousand twenty one spending from one hundred fifty one million dollars. That'll come down a little bit, so they'll end up somewhere in that ballpark. You figure Lawson, if they bring him back, could be around fifteen million a year. His year one cap hit might be a little bit less. It'll probably be closer to. 10 or 11 million you're down to about 50 or 49 at that point if if they do something at corner which i'm not necessarily convinced that they will they're already spending about league average money there they're spending what they've historically spent there 
then then you're looking at a little bit less money. But on the offensive line, they they dropped ten million dollars between Hart and Finney, right? They're down to about twenty four million in spending at that position. How much do you really see them spending at offensive line, right? They have some extra money because of their quarterback contract, but I don't see them spending more than say twenty twenty two million dollars against the cap at that position because I think that they are still pretty dead set on building the entire roster. And that's what's going to be interesting. I think that I think that we will see certainly an investment in the offensive line, but they're going to be interested in in edge rusher depth or or a three tech. Like they're going to be interested in building the entire team because they don't have the same opinion that a lot of fans do that's just like all right, build around Joe Burrow, get a wide receiver, get the offensive line, get Kyle Pitts if you want, fix everything on offense, deal with the defense later. I don't think we're going to see that approach from them, right? Yeah, like, and you can, I think every free agent has to understand that with the cap decreasing, like, you're going to, you're just going to have to accept a lower base salary in 2021 so teams don't have the, have these large cap numbers for these large contracts in, in the first year. And that's, typically how most most of these contracts work and especially with the Bengals, where you know that signing bonus is prorated through the life of the deal and the base salary is pretty low and that's how they can lower that cap number for at least the first season and that has to be something that everyone around the league has to has to account for especially when most teams right now are over the cap and they have to work their ass off to get under the cap right now so the Bengals are in a great spot where they don't have to do a lot of um cap manipulation but before the league year begins to get in a spot to attack they can they're already in a position to attack but i think to your point, if they want to keep it under that $22 million range for, for two positions on the offensive line, that's easily doable for even two top-tier players. Like, Taylor Moden could easily have a cap number of of something less than $10 million with how they can work that contract and work the language of it yeah. and basically backload it into the years where the cap is going to be well over $200 million. So there's definitely ways to do it. And I think e- e- even the Bengals, who don't like to manipulate and flex the cap all the time they're still capable of doing something like that as well what would you do as far as the offensive line is concerned would you go after joe tooney i know a lot of fans that are they'll order a joe tooney jersey the day he signs if he were to sign uh would you go after taylor moton trent williams i'm of the belief personally I i would go get one of those tackles and uh, and then you can maybe get your guard on day two and a guy that's going to be an upgrade uh, of the draft. And we'll get to the draft coming up in a bit. But but as far as free agency goes, what guys would you personally target? I, I said Tooney originally because it just makes a lot of sense to bring him back. But sure. I, I think Scherf, Brandon Scherf is honestly the better guy that, that, that they should go after for a couple of reasons. One, he plays right guard. Like, Tunis is a career left guard, and if you play him at right guard, you don't exactly know what you're going to get. He's still going to be a good player regardless. I don't think anyone's questioning that, but I think you're lowering the risk of getting the most value out of the guy if you just play him at his natural position. And also, you know, Scherf being a guy that played for Bill Callahan for five years, going into a Frank Pollock offensive line scheme, like that, that transition should be seamless. The fact that they have you know, Bill Callahan's son, like there's a connection already on the coaching staff. There's multiple connections on the coaching staff with Brandon Scherf that should make that transition very easy. And also, I just think Scherf is just a slightly better player than Tooney. There's a scheme fit, there's a position fit. And also with Tooney, I, I, again, great player. And I think wherever he goes, he's going to be good. But there is kind of a slight risk with getting former Patriots, especially in offensive line. You have Nate Solder and Trent Brown being the obvious examples. Like, I guess 
Chandler Jones is the obvious exception to that rule, but it's not a guarantee that some of these guys leave New England and still play like perennial Pro Bowl players. So there is still that slight inherent risk with it. But again, if they get Tooney, it should be fine. But if I were to go get a, a top-tier guard, I would pay maybe a little bit extra more to get Scherf. But I think if they get Moden, more problems are set because you're upgrading from Bobby Hart to one of the best right tackles in the game. And like you said, you know you can find a guard on day two of the draft as long as you evaluate the prospects correctly and you'll, you'll just fill that slightly less important hole and just get the, the entire offense line solidified. Yeah, evaluating the prospects correctly. Imagine, <laughs> imagine a world... <laughs> <laughs> in, in which we could do that. You know, it's interesting you mentioned the Callahan connection because when we were looking at the the coaching candidates and the guys that the Bengals are rumored to be interviewing, a lot of that does go back to Bill Callahan. People are like, oh, how is he connected to this Bengals coaching staff? And it's like, well, he's he's a Bill Callahan disciple. Like maybe he doesn't know anybody that, that actually works for the Bengals or, or is on the coaching staff, but he's worked with Callahan or has worked with a Callahan associate. I have seen those connections quite frequently this offseason. So it's interesting you point that out. Last question before we go to the draft, John. How do you rank the Bengals team needs going into 2021? Because, I mean, you got right guard, right tackle, three tech, edge rusher, corner, A.J. Green replacement. How how do those six things fall into a a hierarchy for you? You said like six positions and at least four of them are like, like premium positions, which kind of tells you how bad this roster is right now with the the players that are set to potentially leave. Like if, if they don't if they don't fix the offense line at least, like the, the entire offseason's a failure. They can't try it out and a just recover Joe Burrow behind an offense line with maybe two or three competent pieces. They need to get five solid starters on that line. That has to be, you know, priority number one. And then I think as long as they bring back Lawson, that it should be fine at edge. It's not great, but it should be okay. And then, yeah, the cornerback situation is scary. The fact that if Jackson leaves, you have Darius Phillips as your only in-house or competent replacement. But quietly, like, if you lose, when you lose AJ Green, you have to account for that. And like, I think, I think Joe Goodberry said it first, like, that's 100 targets on the table that you need to fill in in some way, shape, or form. Like, the offense is most successful when you have multiple options for Burrow to kind of just distribute the ball around. So I think it has to be that those two offense line positions, and then you go at um, edge rusher, and then you have like a 3A, 3B with wide receiver and cornerback. The Bengals certainly have their work cut out for them there. I think that, I mean, you get to 3A and 3B, and for me it's hard to differentiate between, you know, 1A, B, C, D, E versus <laughs> 1, 2, 3. I mean, they, it, it's they're all, all pressing. It's not great. Coming up next, John has been crunching the film. He's getting ready for the NFL draft. We'll talk about some of their options for the number five pick. There's nothing worse than having unreliable transportation in the winter. You get stranded on the side of the road. Well, we don't want that to happen to you or any of our loyal listeners. So make sure you check out rockauto.com. For all of your auto parts needs, it is a family business. They've been in operation for more than two decades. You can save money, you can save time, and avoid getting stranded. And the best part about Rock Auto is the convenience. I've used them. You go to rockauto.com and you'll see parts from hundreds of different manufacturers. So it doesn't matter if you're driving a Benz or a Bentley or a Dodge or Toyota. It doesn't matter at rockauto.com. They got you covered and their prices are always reliably low and the same for professionals 
as they are for you and me, the do-it-yourselfers. So why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. Be sure to write locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. As we head into tax season, everyone wants to get the best outcome possible. You don't want to overpay. You want to get as much money back as you're entitled to. And TurboTax Live has the experienced tax experts who are ready to listen to you, learn about your unique tax situation, and help you get the best outcome possible. Maybe you got married this year and you have some questions about how that affects your filing status, or you just want an expert to review your return so you don't miss any deductions on the new house you just bought. Maybe you want to hand the whole thing off from start to finish so you can focus on your burgeoning baby photographer career. Whether you want an expert to file for you or you just want some help, TurboTax Live Experts will give you the confidence to know that your uniquely you taxes are done right. Into a TurboTax Live. Before we get back into the show, we have a special on the Locked On Network on Monday. Eli Manning sat down with Patricia Trena along with Archie Manning. That's on the Locked On Giants feed right now. I know they're not the Bengals, but the Mannings are football goliaths. And if you're interested in checking that out, that's over on the Locked On Giants podcast. Let's stick with a common theme here with the NFL draft less than, than three months away. The, the Bengals obviously need to upgrade their offensive line. I think it's unrealistic that they do all of their offensive line work in free agency, even though I'm hopeful that they do some of it and solve some of those issues. So with the fifth pick, John, what what offensive lineman do you think that the Bengals have their eye on? I know, as Jake said, you've been watching some film and stuff. And, and what are some of your takeaways when you break down the tape? Yeah, have you guys heard of this Panay Sewell guy? He's pretty good. Um, like, it, it, like they're they're going to be interested in Sewell. Like that's that's every team is going to be. Like there is obviously questions with him, and rightfully so because he's he was barely not a teenager now. He's just twenty, and those issues popped up in the last year that he played. But you know, there are issues that any tackle of his caliber and his athleticism and his just just raw talent he can work through. Like there are issues that are not unique to him and most of the most of the top tackles today it's like the truly elite ones they've all worked through whatever issues that they've had and, and I think that's the same case for Sewell so if the Bengals do happen to go after a tackle at five which like, like we talked about it may not be the best course of action like Sewell would have to be at the top of their list and I think if you just look at who they typically value like you have to include like Christian Darisol in there as well I think just with his athleticism, his ability as a wide zone run blocker, someone who could just integrate himself perfectly into what they want to do, that would make a lot of sense. And obviously people are going to question the value of, oh, do you, do you take the consensus third best tackle with the fifth overall pick? Well, maybe, maybe not necessarily. Maybe maybe a trade back would be in order for a quarterback that wants, for a team that wants a quarterback with the fifth overall pick, you trade back and take a guy like Darisol, who I think would check a lot of their boxes Rashawn Slater is also should be in the conversation, but we just don't really know what teams are going to end up thinking of him as a guy who may whose upside may be a little bit more limited with with his size and you know his questions about where he will actually line up on the off, on an offensive line in 2021 for an NFL team being six three 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 fit being six three three hundred fifteen pounds. So obviously, I think Sewell would just is should just stay at the top of the conversation. And I know people love Rashawn Slater and he is a good player, but I just think a lot of people are just overthinking Sewell and I don't think the Bengals are going to end up doing it if they end up targeting a tackle there. 
Yeah, I, I think I agree with you there. I think that Sewell checks too many boxes for a tackle prospect for if if they do need to go or, or choose that they want to go with a tackle at number five, that they would talk themselves out of Sewell if, if he's available. I think that the concerns over over Slater's length are, are fair, over his overall build are fair. And the, the thing that he has going in his favor, and I've said this a few times, he has great athleticism. Like his burst athleticism is is really good. He's got really good balance. I, I don't think he ends up on the ground very often at all. He's got a, a good ability to get out to the second level and make those blocks coming coming across the field. And I think that all fits with some of the things the Bengals would like to do. But how's he going to handle Miles Garrett and and some of the some of the long, huge pass rushers in the AFC North in particular. We don't know what Baltimore is going to do, but I feel like you can rest assured they're going to go out and find big bully kind of guys in the trenches. And and you know that Pittsburgh likes their giant, you know, Cam Haywards and and obviously TJ Watt in the trenches. So do the Bengals really want to go with two guys in the Jonah Williams molded tackle in that kind of division? You know, time will tell on that one, but but I think that they probably don't view Slater as a tackle, and unless he does come in and he measures with thirty four inch arms, and they decide, you know what, we can put another ten pounds on that frame, that then maybe the conversation is a little bit different. But I don't think anyone's really expecting that. So you, you talked about this, and, and we talked about this in the last segment as well. Maybe drafting a tackle isn't the best course of action. We know that rookie offensive linemen generally aren't as good as veterans. So let's say they go out and they get Taylor Moten. And let's say that a bunch of quarterbacks go in the top four picks, say three quarterbacks go, and they've got their options. Do you still consider picking Penesul and and finding a place for him? I think you have to consider it. But, I mean, what else are you looking at then if, if tackle isn't such a pronounced need? Are you looking Kyle Pitts because, you know, maybe he just plays receiver in year one and that's okay. Or is it just Jamar Chase? Because if he's available, he's, to, to me, I mean, I think the best receiver in the draft. That that could change a little bit, I guess, but seems that way to me with what he did at 19 years old. But who are the other guys you're looking at at number five? I think, obviously, Pitts and Chase, are, they should be in the conversation regardless of what they do in free agency. But that's an interesting angle with, like, if they address, say, say they signed two starters on offensive line for agency, if you add Sewell to the equation, that would give you a prime opportunity to just slide Jonah Williams in a guard and just completely, ultimately solidify your offensive line. You know, Jonah can still survive. Like, it's exactly what Frank Pollock did with Zach Martin. You know, he took a college offensive lineman at, from Notre Dame. It's what Bill Callahan did, too, because he was still there. and moved him into guard, and he was an all-pro his rookie season. I'm not saying that... Jonah Williams is Zach Martin. You know, they're similar builds and similar similar athletes. But wherever you line up Jonah, he'll, he'll be fine. And if they decide that, you know, we want to add this all-world potential tackle at left tackle and move Jonah into a, a spot where you think he can still succeed, like that gives you four starters aside from the center position with Billy Price there for the time being that you're incredibly confident in. But if they decide to go with a receiver or a pass catcher, like Chase and Pitts have to be the prime targets there. Like, the fact that they were so young, they produced so miraculous, so incredibly against SEC competition, and that they just fit exactly who they would look at. Like with Chase, everything che- checks off the boxes. You know, the fact that he was so young, the production, the athleticism, 
and just the fact that he did it all with their quarterback. Like that's the easiest eval that they could possibly have, and that that's what they crave for. Like just for just the AJ Green of the draft to just fall into their laps at the fourth or fifth overall pick for for whatever year it is. So like that there is no easier decision for them to make than that one to just fill in a role that will get you 100 120 targets immediately and he doesn't have to be like the the dominant carrying force that Green was in his rookie year because you have T Higgins and Tyler Boyd and the other pass catchers to kind of soften the load but if Chase is off the board and you have Kyle Pitts staring at your face I don't know how you completely disregard that just based off of positional value because you'd only consider a tight end that high in the draft if you believe he is going to be one of the very best early in his career. And I think there's all the evidence points to Kyle Pitts being something like that. If he's in the right situation with a quarterback like Burrow an offense that would surely involve him and feature him, you'd have to think that he, it would be a situation where he could reach his potential before even his second contract comes. And that's where you get the most value for a, a tight end who would, I think over the cab would project that pick to be like, a $20 million deal with like a $12 million signing bonus. So that's already st- starting tight end money and you're expecting starting production. But Pitts has all the qualifications of being a future, all future pro bowl tight end. So that's the kind of player that you would have to take, or that's the kind of player that you would have to become in order to warrant that selection. So both chase and Pitts would definitely like they're, they're definitely in the conversation. There's no doubt about it. And, and that's why they have to, in my eyes, address offensive line and free agency, right? Because, if not, and, and that happens and Chase is there, and maybe Chase is their you know, top prospect on their board. He could be. A.J. Green was two behind Cam Newton way back in 2011, and, and they can't take Chase and have to take Sewell, who let's say is fourth, because they haven't addressed tackle. Like That would be painful if Sewell ends up just being pretty good and Chase is the next all-pro wide receiver, right? And the same thing goes for Pitts. I, I think that's the best case because you can still take Sewell if you spend in free agency on offensive line. But if you don't, it opens up these other options that, uh, that could be better prospects long-term. And, and like with Sewell, with Chase, with Pitts, these are all young guys that already played at a really high level against solid competition. And you look at Slater, like Slater to me is just, he's like Isaiah Wynn. Like if you, if you had the chance to take Isaiah Wynn like fifth overall, like that's still a, re- a really high quality player, but even in that 2018 class with when there was Mika Fitzpatrick, there was Jesse Bates, there was Quinn Nelson, there was there, there was all sorts of guys that you would probably take over him. When you look at the non-quarterbacks, like Isaiah, there's nothing wrong with an Isaiah win, but when you when you're drafting the top five, you don't expect to be drafting in that range every single year. You have to maximize that and get a player that would be truly transcendent and could be one of the very best at whatever position that he plays. So. There's nothing wrong with Slater. I know Jake is a Northwestern guy, um, but like, <laughs> if, if you want to maximize where you are in the draft in, in, a, in a rare spot, you have to take that into account and, and probably target one of the more rare players. And Sewell, Chase, and Pitts just fits, fits that mold more. Makes a lot of sense to me. And, and notice we're not even talking about the Heisman Trophy winner, right? Devontae right. Smith, not even on the list. And, and for me, he's really not in consideration unless there's a trade back. So maybe we'll talk about him. Maybe we'll talk about Jalen Waddle another time. John, thanks so much for your time and for sharing your personal perspective on the off season. I think we're a little bit more in sync than, than maybe I, I thought we would be, but Hey, maybe that just means we're, we're in a sane and rational world here on the lockdown Bengals podcast. 
this is the podcast for Bengals fans with a, with a name that starts with J. Like it's just this is what it is, you know. It's it's very seamless. So th- thanks, guys, for having me on. He's right, you know, James, James, Jake, Joe, John. Has there ever been a non-J name to host this show? The answer to that question, my friends, is no. This episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast was brought to you by 1010. 1010 is that exclusive collection of 10 one-of-a-kind engagement rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today using only diamonds responsibly and sustainably sourced from Botswana. 10 design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful diamond ring and it launched exclusively on January 18th at BlueNile.com. This exciting limited edition collection of diamond engagement rings launched on January 18th. You can check it out exclusively at BlueNile.com. We'll be back tomorrow with our first full off-season simulator of the year. We're going to get into free agency and take a look at some of the moves that the Bengals could make. Until then, Bengals fans, day and have a good one. This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design. The kind of experience you can only find in a Lexus SUV. A feeling this empowering is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the versatility of the complete line of Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.